take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. You know, we, we have Mother's Day, and I can remember over the years of Mother's Day that that was a big day at church. I mean, that was the big, it's almost like Christmas or Easter or something like that. I mean, it was that big, you know, the, they had all these things and all these similar to what we would do today and some of the things that we did today. And they'd have children, grandchildren, sometime from out of state to come to be there with Mother for Mother's Day. And it was just a special day at church. There'd be people at church that hadn't been there since last Mother's Day, okay? But that's what they came for. And that, that's very special, and that's very honoring, I, I believe. So, But today we li live in a messed up world. The home has been broken down so much. We see a government that's broke down. We see education that's broke down. We think of mom and we think of dad and the family just together as a family unit and so much of that's been lost and people try to blame so many things. I've always said and I still say this to this day, even if you were born in the worst of families, you have a free will and you can decide to do right or not do right. Don't ever blame your failures and your wrongs on your upbringing or anything else because you have a mind, you have a heart, you have a spirit. God can use you. He can speak to you. Don't blame anything for your failures. Okay, never blame anything else but yourself for failures. But yet, <clears throat> we find that the home is a problem in the day in which we live. I went back and just looked through some of my old notes of various Mother's Day sermons I've preached. Then I listened to a few, for a few minutes, uh, on, of other people preaching on Mother's Day. And one of the <clears throat> common threads I saw through it, I mean, it was, for the most part, they were all biblical. But it was also a lot sentimental. And I'm not condemning that at all. I mean, we have good thoughts of our mothers, many of us. But I'm also saying this, that uh, with the breakdown of the home, with the breakdown of the government, when you have in schools where they're teaching homosexuality is a right thing and, and okay, when they're trying to say it's all right if you feel like a girl today that you're a girl, if you feel like even though you're a guy, if you're a guy, it's all right to feel like you're a girl, whatever. You know, it's, it's just the day that we live in, we say, but you know what? We still have God's word here today. There's no reason for that to have victory. I mean, today, there are some people that are very upset because they're talking about putting down, killing babies, that you're not allowed to do that anymore. And, and so you have those things. Look, Janice and I, we have four babies, we say, because she had four miscarriages. So we have four children that we want to see dearly when we get to heaven. Because they had a spirit in them, even when they were inside their mother. So what I want to say is, is that the <clears throat> thing needs to take place today, needs to take place beginning in the home and in the churches. God 
has allowed us to stay here. We're still walking the face of this earth. Our country hasn't been completely destroyed yet. <clears throat> and that tells me that with the great power of my God, there's, there is hope if there's repentance. Now, I'm going to be preaching from Ephesians chapter 5, and I may not finish it this morning. I may have to finish it this evening. That's, that's fine with me. I, uh, <laughs> I'm noted for that, as a matter of fact. But nonetheless, I'm going to get it done one way or the other. I want to get this done either this morning or tonight. But when I think of this passage that we have before us, I don't know if anybody's ever used that as a Mother's Day passage. But when I see the state of this country today, when I see the state of the home today, when I see just the state of this world today, I think this passage is for Mother's Day. It'd be for Father's Day. You see, so often we just hold it to mothers on Mother's Day. But the word of God is for the entire family. So let's keep that in mind. Let's have a word of prayer before we get to the message today. Father, now I pray that as we preach your word today, help us to rightly divide the word of God. I pray, Lord, that what I can't do that you would, and that is to make the message clear to each heart, to the understanding of each person under the sound of my voice, so that if there is anyone that's unsaved, that they'd be unsaved, that they would not be unsaved any longer, but they'd come to be saved today. I pray, Father, that if uh, there are homes that are broken, homes that are in trouble, homes that have these uh, various problems going on, I just pray that there would be a change come about. Lord, I think about homes today, Lord. Some homes, they have children that, have, that are unwed, and they're living with the, their so-called partners. Guys and girls living at the home of the parents, and they're not even married. Some parents are allowing kids that are homosexuals to live with their homosexual whatever it is with them. Lord, I read in the Bible so often the houses of the Sodomites were destroyed. So, Father, I pray that we can see revival start without God having to destroy so much in America, if not all. For God not to judge the church, although judgment begins at the house of God, Lord, may that start today that we repent and have things right in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. The Old and the New Testaments, God has uh, both in those taken uh, them to use as uh, kind of like the home and likens them to the local church. Now, let me, let me be very careful about this. In the Old Testament, God called Israel his wife. In the New Testament, it's called the bride. In John chapter 10, verse 16, when Jesus is speaking to a group of Jews, he says that he is there, that there are other sheep that he has that are not of this fold. That fold was Israel. But he says, there's other sheep I have that are not of this fold. He's going to make them one. We talk about the bride of Christ. We talk about the wife of God, you know, as we think of the Old Testament. But he's going to make them one. To him. For him. That is the goal. And that's not to be silenced. So as not to somehow 
insult somebody by preaching the truth. The Apostle Paul wrote in the epistle, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? And folks, this is a day in which the truth is needed. And so, your mother here today, your father here today, you have a responsibility in making the home a church. You see, in the Old Testament, they met at the synagogue on the Sabbath. Not everybody lived in Jerusalem. They would meet there. They'd have that time there. In the New Testament, we find the meeting on the first day of the week in honor of the resurrection. And so that would continue even to this day. But whether it's the local New Testament church on the first day of the week, or it's the synagogue on the seventh day of the week, it was a day to remember to keep it holy. It was a day to keep it faithful to God. It was a day to honor Him. And that's why I said that this morning, we can't just address this to mothers. We've got to address this to fathers and mothers because fathers and mothers are the ones that are the pillars of the home that bring children into this world that are also the ones who train those children in the way that they should go. So that is our responsibility as parents. So with that in mind, I want us to read this text, but what I want you to also understand that I've got three points in this message. I'm a Baptist, that's what most Baptists have. Uh, but nonetheless, three points, all three words in these, these points will begin with the letter T. Okay, here's going to be the first point. Testimony. A testimony is not what you say you are. As a matter of fact, it's not even what you think you are. But it is an ongoing and easily identifiable pattern of your person, who you are, your behavior, your actions, your life in general. You may have a different opinion of it, but when the majority of people see something different than that, it's not your opinion that is your testimony. It's what people see. And so in our text, we're going to start out here in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now submit, understand this, submit is not obedience by force. Now you have a child. You give them chores to do. They don't do those chores. Then there is a punishment. Their chores, what they are doing in obedience, is by force. But submission is much different. In submission, it is obedience, but not by force, but rather by love. God designed the marriage. God made man the head of the home. And ladies, let me say this very clearly. That is the Bible, and that's an area of accountability, but also understand that when God gives a man a position, or a woman a position in the home, they're going to be called into an account for how they handle that position. 
what they did, that all will be made an account. And some that think they're, they are great successes will find that they were actually great failures. So we need to learn to obey God's word and do that. Look, submission to a husband should be 100% because you love God. In obedience to God, you want to please him, therefore you want to please your husband. Okay? You're obedient in a, as you're submissive to him because you love God and he wants you to do that. And so that's what you do. So again, submission is not obedience by force. That is that obedience of love that you have for him. You know, you go into a job, a lady goes at the home says, I'm not going to be submitted to any man over me. She goes to the job and the boss says, okay, look, I need this to get done and I need you to do this today and it, it needs to be done before the day's over. Okay, yeah, we'll do it. What happened to your, I'm not submitted to any man? Oh, so man's ways, on the job, it's right to do what you're supposed to do, but in the home, no, no, God got it all wrong. And no, I wouldn't really say that about God, because that'll make your embarrassment even greater when you stand at the judgment. And, and so, and it'll be not only embarrassing to you, but embarrassing in front of your children and all of heaven as they watch, as we are each given account of ourselves, if you're saved at the judgment seat of Christ. So again, you do that with the right attitude. You may not even want to do that. Maybe you had a different plan that day on the job, but hey, the boss said to do it, we're going to do it. And so you may not have wanted to do it, but you do it, and you do it with the right attitude. The right attitude and the sweet spirit in the home is a great beauty of a godly woman. If your children see it, your husband sees it, and they see a mother, they see a mother who is kind, a mother who is singing as she works through the house and doing her things that she does during the day, singing hymns. Firm, but lovingly firm. That will be your testimony as a mother. See, a lot say, oh, I'm a great mother. I, look, we, we have a Christian school. Sometimes a boy, sometimes a girl, sometimes both will get in trouble at, at school for something, whatever. And sometimes a parent will come in and say, well, we sure appreciate you doing that. You, you got him, you got him stopped the good. We don't want that. So others come in, I'm standing up for my child. Why are you doing that? Well, it is the rule. Now, the, the funniest one to me is still to this day. We had a boy with a haircut problem. Okay. And so the mother came in and just said, uh, Why y'all mean it? What? Did you read the handbook? Yeah, but I didn't think a minute. <laughs> I wonder how many are going to have that attitude when they're standing before God. You're going to think he meant it? You will then. Why wait till then to find out? You know, why not do something about it now? And so again, uh, your testimony as a mother is very, very important. And look, 
Sometimes they're not going to like mom for being a godly mother. Because then you're going to have to stop them going out and doing things. They'll go out. Well, so-and-so gets go out to, with his friends. They get to spend the night here. They get to do that. Yeah, but then they're the ones that end up drunk, pregnant, or on drugs. And doing things that may affect their bodies the rest of their lives. In wisdom, you're the godly mother. And it may take till they're in their 20s or 30s, maybe even their 40s, before they realize, I had a godly mother, and I'm so thankful that she took that stand. A mother who is always angry, she blows her top, they hear her gossiping about everybody on the telephone or wherever else, they're always arguing, a prima donna must have their own way, their self-exaltation, then just understand, they're not building a home. You see, a local church, a church is a gathering, a called out assembly is what the definition of a church is in the Bible by that word. Ecclesia is a called out assembly. Your home is the called out of, of assembly, even if it's just husband and wife. If it's husband, wife, and children. So it's up to you to make sure that that home is a godly home. In that sense, it's the assembly and it's its own church. That's why you read the Bible and have prayer with your family and you talk about what the Bible says. Now, we're independent Baptists here. We're not Southern Baptists. But years ago, and I don't know if they still do this, but I remember years ago, uh, the first church my dad pastored was the Southern Baptist Church. That was back in the 50s. And I remember back then that if you studied Romans chapter 1 in the senior adult class, and then all those classes down, teens, even down to the children, guess what? You were studying Romans 1. Well, now, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because when you got home, you could discuss with your family what you learned. It was really for the parents, to help the parents with their children. Now, ours may be different. Ours is different here. Not maybe. It is different. But there's no reason why you can't go home and find out what they learned in Sunday school, tell what you learned in Sunday school, and share it with your home. Share it with those children. Let them grow in the Lord. So again, when we uh, aren't careful, we're going to end up making our home a terrible, a terrible place as far as concerning the outcome of that child as far as having a foundation. You see, understand that the Bible says in, in Proverbs that Train up a child the way he should go. When he is old, he'll not depart from it. Now, look, I've heard fundamental independent Baptist, Southern Baptist, any other kind of church. I've heard them preach the same thing. Boy, if you train them up just right, boy, when they get old, they'll never go away from that. Others have said, well, they may go away, but they'll come right back. Or before they die, they'll come back. That's not what the Bible said. What the Bible is saying, they've got a free will because that's what the Bible teaches. So they may go wrong and stay wrong. But there will always be that conviction in their heart. There will always be. Have you ever seen the teenager that comes home and he's been out doing things that he shouldn't do or she shouldn't do, whatever the case may be? They were laughing. They were having a good time. They just seemed like so much fun. And as soon as their hand touched the doorknob, 
Mom and dad hasn't said a word. They walk in and they're angry. What? Mom and dad didn't say anything to them. There's just an angry spirit about them. I'm going to bed. Well, what happened? You see, if that was put in their heart over and over and over again, they walk in, it's that spirit that you drove into their heart, drove in their heart that convicts them. That doesn't mean that they'll change right there, but it, also, but it does mean this. There's always a hope that they will repent when the troubles and trials of life start bringing their consequences. So you stick with it, you do it, and you keep on doing it. You say, boy, you know what, I had a terrible testimony with my home. I've had a terrible testimony with my family. I can't undo that. No, but God can. But guess what? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So understand there is hope. There's hope for your home. That means if your home is what it ought to be, your home, your, your church is going to be filled with your family members. Because you led your family in the way they ought to go, then you're in the local church. Isn't it interesting? The Bible says that if you're saved, you are a temple of God. You might say in a sense that the church then is here, it's at home, and it's in here. It's right in here. That is why your biggest failure starts as a mother or a father for that matter is when you begin to slack on getting up in time to read your Bible before you go to work or do anything else. When you go daily without the Word of God or you just, it's a hit and miss, you read a little devotional and that's the last thought and that's the last thing of it and it's not affecting your life because you're not meditating on it, you're not thinking on how to apply it to your life, then my friend, I can tell you this, it's not going to help your home a whole lot. It's got to be a part of you. You see, you may be the mother, you may be a single mother, but you are the hope for the home, God and godliness, that will turn the lives around of your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. And it depends oftentimes on a mother who gets right with God because there's a daddy who is unsaved perhaps. And so, we see that, but now we want to See in the next verses some the importance of building, building a testimony, but building it God's way, by God's word, uh, so that your house should be a place that your kids will know God's here, the Lord's here, the Lord is in this place. And so, we allow that so that when people visit our house, they'll know that there's just something different. Now, the modern-day God-hating philosophy that likes to mess up these genders, that likes to kill babies, that likes to do all these other things, will hate the home, they hate the marriage, they hate everything about it, they hate the church. This next couple of verses are going to really stir them up, make them upset. They won't accept them. What's bad is I expect that of the world, but when Christians start feeling the same way about those verses, 
it makes you question, are they saved? And if they are saved, they better get ready for the chastening hand of God to come upon them. Verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, don't feel that you think that, well, you know, that was good for back in the Bible days, but that doesn't apply to today. God's word is forever. His truth stands forever. So verse 24 says, Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Now let me just insert something here on everything. Not to sin and evil. He said, what do you mean by that, preacher? They should be obedient in everything. I said in a, uh, a Christian college one time, in the teacher teaching psychology, he said, listen, he said, Abraham's wife Sarah obeyed him, calling him Lord. And what had Abraham told her to do? He told her to tell everybody, you're my sister, wherever we go. Now, there's a problem with that. Abraham, first of all, needed to be on his knees thanking God she didn't hit him with a club. But, uh, but really, here's the problem. That teacher was saying that was the thing that it was about, and the Bible doesn't say that that's what it was about. It talks about in 1 Peter chapter 3. It, it addresses that. But it wasn't about that. She obeyed her husband. What about she followed him out of home all the way into a land they didn't know about? Does that count? Well, that's different, you know. No, it's not different. You see, it's never under sin. But this teacher said, if a husband tells his wife that we're going to have a wife swapping thing, and she won't do it, then she is sinning against God because she will not obey her husband. Well, what the husband says, okay, take your gun, take the pistol, go up to your little child and shoot its brains out. No, she shouldn't do that. Oh, well, then it's all right for her to sin against God because that's what you said was to sin against God. No, the Bible doesn't justify sin when the world commands you to sin. As a matter of fact, a good example is John and Peter. They were uh, told not to preach anymore in his name. We're told to obey magistrates, to be obedient to those that are over us. But then John and Peter, when they answered that, said, uh, well, you think we ought to obey God or man? That's up to you, but we're going to obey God. It was set there for us. When there is a difference between what your husband says and what God says, you always, 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 always go with God. Always go with his word. So the husband is the head of the wife. He was Christ the head of the church. And uh, he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Why is that important? It's important for your children to see it. They need to see these things in you. That they can learn how a home is supposed to work. 
You see, ladies, what this has said here is that you are representing what a saved person is in the relationship to Jesus Christ. And so you're submitted to a husband because he holds the position of Jesus Christ in a marriage. But we're going to say, because it's going to be harder on the husbands. Get, get this. I shouldn't have said that. They won't come back tonight. But, um, but listen, you're representing what a believer is to Christ. What a believer is to Christ. So verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. To give himself for it meant he died for the church. And the day you get married, you say, yeah, I'm willing to die for that lady. But 20 years later, you better still be ready to die for that lady. I've been married 53 years. I'm about to die anyway, you know. But, uh, uh, but you can die, die for that lady. You're ready. That's your wife. That's the love of your life, just like we're the love of the Lord's life. And so he died for it. Why? That he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word of God. That's why you have the Word of God in your life. That's why you as a husband live by the Word of God. Why? Because you are representing as a husband what Jesus is to the believer. Whether you have children or not, as a wife, you're submitted to show what a believer is to Christ. And as a husband, you're, you're doing what you do, you're loving that wife because you're doing it as what Christ is to a believer. And listen, the commandments of the Lord are not grievous. They are not grievous. The Bible is very clear on that. You see, your marriage was, is not only for better or worse, richer or poor, sickness and in health, and that's not multiple choice, by the way. Uh, until death do you part. But the greatest part of that vow is this. To love, honor, and cherish till death do you part. Now the great thing about our relationship with Jesus Christ. He gives us eternal life. He is the eternal Son of God. And so we never part from Him. And we have eternity set ahead for us. On this earth, in this fleshly vessel, we will part at death. But we'll see each other in heaven again. We're both saved. But you see, you'll love, honor, and cherish. What if they do the worst? What if my spouse does that that is just uh, makes me sick, let alone being sickness and in health? Makes it so poor because of his poor decisions. Her poor decisions. You can love and honor and cherish them. You know what I find out is a, when counseling marriages from time to time is this simple thing. They come in and talk to me and what it comes down to, he's not doing what he's supposed to, she's not doing what she's supposed to do. Why are you concerned about what they're supposed to do? Are you doing what you're supposed to do? Why are you more concerned with them doing what they're supposed to do instead of what you're supposed to do? It's not a bad mother that destroys the home. It's not a bad father that destroys the home. It's both of them uh, going other directions. 
There's always hope for a home that even if one is bad, the other being good, they grow up and go in the right direction. Now, when you look at this, the relationship with Christ is forever. Your marriage on earth is just on earth. But it's the commitment. And remember, when you had that ceremony, perhaps he said, for better, worse, sickness, health, rich, or poor, love, honor, cherish, till death do you part. You gave your word. I do. You gave your word. So are you telling me now that your word doesn't mean anything to you? That I can't trust your word? Oh, you can give it, but you go back on it. Uh, well, well, no, only if it's serious. You think marriage is not serious? But you see, that's why this passage will say when we get to verse 32, he speaks of Christ in the church. In other words, he's speaking of salvation. Therefore, as a wife, you're representing what a believer is to the church, uh, to, to, to Christ, and what Christ as a husband is to the church. Now, husband, as a husband, you've had a thing in your home. Maybe it's uh, finances. Maybe it's a sick child. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a vocation, a, a change of direction. And you go to the Lord and you pour out your heart to Him. Maybe you've sinned in your life and you've grieved greatly and, and, and you've gone to God and taken Him. Does He bite your head off? Does He tell you how no good and up down you are? How this? No. You come to Him with a repentant heart, He's ready to forgive. That's what you've got to be with your spouse. But as a wife, you have that same thing too. Can't talk to Jesus. You were unfair to me. Oh, you did that. You did no. And sometimes that husband doesn't confess his failure to God. That lady doesn't confess her failure to God. But then that husband may confess it, and that lady may confess it to God, but they don't confess it to their spouse. Sweetheart, I was wrong in that. This is what I did. I kept it from you. I was wrong. This is what I did. Can you forgive me? Now look, I've used this message today. This is just a start. We're just in testimony. We've got two more T's to go. But what is your testimony? Not just before man, but before God. Because that's where it stands first. And if your testimony is not right, don't expect your home to ever be right. Expect perhaps maybe you'll have grandchildren in hell, if not children. Now, if you're satisfied with that, just to keep the status quo, then my friend, I, you need help. Only the Lord can give. I want this country to turn around. I really do. I, I, I hate what they're trying to teach in our schools to the kids. I hate the way they want to kill babies. I hate the way they want to do all these things that, that are going on today. Tell a man that he, he, if he wants to feel like he's a, I mean, I'm just glad a bunch of men didn't stand up for Mother's Day today, okay? And that's what I'm just saying, is I'm so glad that that didn't happen here. Because I feel like, no, 
We didn't have that. That's good. But what I'm trying to say to you is that the Lord saves us. He changes us. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You've got to become that new creature, and you've got to let God work in your life and through your life if you want to see things in your, in your city, in your county, in your state, in your country change. You've got to start out and just say, well, what's happening to everybody else? God got it to you today. Do you think you can get it to others around this world? He can. But it's not how... They respond, it's how you respond, and then after that, it's how they respond. But let us not be called quitters at the throne of God. But the first thing is, you've given your word to God. Was there a time in your life where you said, Lord, I'm a sinner, I know I cannot save myself. I've sinned, I've come short of the glory of God, I know that. Today, I'm giving you my heart and life. Just as strong, if not stronger, than when I made my marriage vow. I'm giving you my all. If you have not done that today, I can tell you by the authority of God's Word, if you have not done that in your life, then you're headed to hell. Now, if you said words, but you didn't mean it, you just said words, okay. I said the magic word, so I'm all right. I can just live like I want to. No, that doesn't do it either. You're coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you've not done that, then today's the day to be saved. And you'll have that opportunity. Let's bow our heads, please.